0: blackscholarspublishing.com That uh, we should get our own. Once we have our own, uh, we're respected for the fact that we can create our own. And uh, that's equality right there. (laughs)
1: The record label Miss Fish just did it. Boom. Nylon, cover five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. Boom. About to make a movie independent. Need new independent.
0: So, welcome to the Black Scholars Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Andre Wilson Jr. With me, I have three incredible uh, black educators, three strong. Dominant Nubian queens on the line with me. (laughs) So I've got LaShawn G. uh, Who is a middle school PE health teacher in High Point, North Carolina. She is going into her second year of teaching. She is also a mindset coach, an author, and a speaker. Is that correct, LaShawn?
2: That is correct.
0: Awesome. I've also got with me Melanie Matthews. Uh, she is a K through three literacy coach, and she is a K through twelve national consultant. And she's located in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, she has nine years of teaching experience under her belt, and this is going to be her twenty third in education overall. Is that correct, Melanie? That is correct. All right, perfect, perfect. Two for two. Uh, and then I got Melody Andrews who is a high school English teacher in the DMV area. She's also a doctoral student at Howard University, and she is going into her 11th year of teaching. And I believe of those 11 years, three were at the collegiate level. Is that correct, Melody? All right, we rolling. We got a lot of experience. Um, I always love how with educators, especially black and brown educators, we always have something else going on, right? It's never just, oh, she's a social studies teacher. Oh, he's a PE teacher. It's like, no, and they're doing this and they got this and they got this business and their book is coming out next month and you can listen to their podcast on here. And, you know, I love that. I love the hustle. I love it. I love it. I love it. So. This episode is actually going to be episode twenty-four. It's our second half of our short mini-series on self-care. Um, everyone should be on summer break. Yes, 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 ladies. Everybody's on summer break. Yes, yes. I'm curious to know when are you ladies going back to work officially when students are around.
3: Melanie um the teachers go back on the 19th and the students come back after Labor Day
2: nice and for LaShawn we begin school with the students on August 26th
1: nice
3: I'm
1: getting jealous and for me we go back for in-service stuff on the 19th and our students come back on the 26th as well
0: Oh, man. I'm getting really jealous. Um, so, we've got professional development. Uh, for those who don't know, I'm in the Memphis, Tennessee area. Uh, I'll be working outside of Memphis. I'll be moving on to Collierville, um, which is a municipal school district. Probably have about nine schools there, if I'm getting that correct. And, um, actually, kids come back on August 12th. So, uh, I'm a little bit jealous, everyone. Kids a it's a nice break away from the kids <laughs> more, um, but but when did your school year end? Um, the last day for me, Melanie, was June twenty fourth. The kids okay. got out on the second,
2: and we got out on the twenty something like that. Okay. And for um, Sean, our last day for students was the tenth, and for teachers, we were our last day was the uh. 11th well really the 12th but the 11th of June okay
1: and for me Melody um our last day was I want to say for teachers the 12th we have a little bit of flexibility around like if you need to come in for the last few days you can if not yeah yeah.
0: okay so I don't feel so bad because I got a school um Around the 17th. I'm not sure if that's the exact date, but I think it was like around May 17th. It might have been a few days after that, but sometime around there. So that makes sense. So I don't feel so bad. Um, So let's talk self-care, ladies. Let's talk self-care. And I'll go ahead and get it started really quickly. One of the reasons why um, I'm actually switching schools and if you want to listen to that episode that is episode twenty two uh, of why teachers why black educators actually leave their schools and one of the reasons why I left my school is because I was doing everything um from the day I walked in there five years ago to my last day there um uh, I was learning coach. I um, was APEX teacher. So I taught the gifted intellectual students and in English classrooms. Um, I also was their uh, case manager. So I was a special education teacher as well, responsible for all of their paperwork, all of their meetings. Anytime there was a behavior issue, I was brought in. Um uh with Learning Coach, I was responsible for observing other teachers. They observe me, I give them feedback, I try to coach them up to be the educator they're supposed to be, uh, according to the rubric that we use in the state of Tennessee. Um, I also did a lot of work with uh Queststar, which was the assessment company that worked directly with the Department of Uh Tennessee, um well, our education department. Um, what else did I do? I did homebound teaching. I did paid extended tutoring. Um, I did a lot. I did a lot. And I did a lot more over those five years, but that's just this past school year. Um, and so just being honest with you ladies and with the audience, obviously, you know, I was a little burnt out. Um, I do a lot. I do a lot. Um, I have multiple streams of income going on. Um, a single dad. Um, so with all of that, that I was doing, uh, it was time for me to look for greener pastures. Um, and we've all heard the adage, you know, you know, everything that's, you know, gold or everything that glitters isn't, you know. So I don't know. I don't know if this change is going to be better for me. I hope it is. Um, as far as I know, I'm going to be doing less work. Um, I do know for sure I'm going to be paid a significant amount more um, and I'm doing less work and I get an extra hour rests uh every night because the school starts later previously for the past five years i've had to clock in at 6 40 a.m in the morning
2: wow mm-hmm. Wow! Oh,
0: no. monday through friday yeah the struggle the struggle was real um and that might be after leaving my part-time job i'm actually going back to grad school in fall and it's just it's too much it's a lot um And so I'm excited for greener pastures. And again, for me, that was my self-care tactic is really reflecting um, not only at the end of the year, but throughout the year and saying, well, do you still love education? Do you still love teaching? It's like, well, absolutely. I do. Do you like all this other stuff that you have to do? Nah, not really. And then it was basically me starting to map out a plan on, well, what's going to make me happy? Um, And I do think that could be a self-care tactic. Um, It's just reflection, reflecting and being realistic and honest with yourself. Um, So that's something that I utilize. Um, What about you ladies, though? What what burnout or what stress or anxiety have you potentially felt? And what are some of the ways that you kind of cope with that?
3: Oh, wow. That's uh, a great question. Melanie here. Um, I can tell you back in 2002, I experienced a a great deal of burnout, which caused me to (laughs) go out on a leave ordered by my doctor. So I was teaching first grade and, um, you know, in every grade level, you can have like some really, really rough kids. So I had a rough group that year and I was, I had found myself not being able to sleep at night. I had found myself actually literally being physically ill going to work. And it's not that I did not like my job. It was just that this group of students, these little first graders were like, and it was really one, just one. And no one could seem to do anything with him. He had, called me out my name. He had I was in a portable, he ran out the door. Now I'm responsible for him because he's running up and down the street. It was just a whole lot that year. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor had finally said, you know what, we're gonna take you out because you are stressed out. And I stayed out for a month. And the reason why I went back, honestly, is because my kids had a field trip to go on and I didn't want them to meet, miss their field trip. And so I did go back early against the doctor's orders but, you know, sometimes as educators, I find that we over-dedicate ourselves. And, and I don't know where it comes from, if that if that's that special sweet spot in our hearts or whatever, but we're over-dedicating, like you were just saying, all of the things that you were doing in your school. I have been through that too. But this particular year was just, it was different because I had been soliciting help from the administrators and with no help. Um, I think the last straw for me was asking if his parents, if the student's parent could come in and. Just, sit with him in the classroom. And the administrators told me no, that the parents could not just come and sit with the kids. So, you know, that was the, the worst year ever. And it had not been worse than that, but it was just, you know, I just couldn't deal. And my way of, of coping with that is the doctor taking me off. And that was the way that I was able to recuperate. And fortunately it was at the end of the school year. So, you know, it, we, we didn't have a lot more to go but it was just, it was in April, I think, April or May. So, you know, it was really a traumatic experience. I had never experienced that before. And that taught me that stress in education is really real.
0: Mm-hmm. it is. LaShawn?
2: Yeah, so for me, having this be my first year, I had no idea what to expect. Um, My background is in coaching. So while I have interacted with student athletes from the athletic perspective and I've seen them on the field, I didn't, I never really had a chance to interact with them on a regular basis. I've done some substitute teaching in the past, but that is nothing (laughs) like (laughs) teaching day by day, Monday through Friday. Uh, but this year, I was tasked with uh, a few different hats. So I was a beginner teacher, and I came in through the lateral entry program. I was also athletic director at the middle school, a title that I'd never done be- before. And while I was doing those things, I additionally was enrolled as a, a student in our county's lateral entry accelerated teacher licensure program. So I am new teacher, new athletics director. I was coach on the track team during the spring season. I was a student myself. And I was continuing to run my own personal brand. So doing all of those things in my first year, I got a chance to really experience what it was like to be a teacher and be a beginner teacher. So learning it all at one time, Um, seeing the demands on other teachers who had been there and been doing it for years and years. And I really could see how um, the, the mindset of a teacher can shift heavily during different portions of the year so you know you see everyone with this fire at the beginning of the school year and then somewhere just after labor day just before <laughs> thanksgiving everything just dips mm-hmm. and then you have your break and then everyone comes back you know refreshed and ready to go but then yeah. for us this year we i don't know about every. Everyone else and how they follow their spring break schedule. But for our county, we follow Easter. So whenever Easter happens, that is when we have our spring break. Well, this year, spring Easter was at the end of April. So we went from December all the way until the end of April without (laughs) an extended break. And you really got to see, you got to see people, you know, honestly break. I mean, the students were awry, the teachers were awry. It was just, it was very different from what I was used to even thinking about experiencing uh, or what a teacher would experience during that time of year. So the, the self-care demand in the education space is vital. Um, and it's, it's really what I have grown my personal brand around because I see how much is given And I see how much work is done, not just between the hours of of eight and four. And knowing that we have our personal lives to attend to as well is why I I am a full-on proponent of of self-care for educators.
0: Nice. Who's left?
1: Oh, me, Melody.
0: Okay, there
1: we go. So for me, um, in terms of like my experience as an educator and self-care and when the two really intersected for me, um, prior to moving to the DMV, I was a teacher in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I was at what I like to call a very toxic workplace, um, I was working with a lot of adults who were dysfunctional. And so they would bring their dysfunctions to work. And I am fully capable of dealing with children and the mess that they bring. But dealing with adults in that type of dysfunction and that type of environment. And I work at a high school, so it's like constant drama Um, anyway with the kids. But working in that type of environment um, was kind of always like fight or flight mode. Mm. And I constantly felt this, like, constant anxiety at work because you never knew what was going to pop off next. And it may not always be, you know, involving me, but it was, like, my first year teaching, like, the teacher crossed the hall for me and the principal cussed each other out, like, first week of school. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just constantly, constantly, like, just very negative energy, like, I got to a point where I would like stage my room because I didn't want whatever people were bringing in that building to get in my classroom. So it got really bad my last year there. And I just decided I couldn't do it anymore. Um, And my self-care was like, okay, like I don't have to keep sacrificing my sanity for someone else's children. And I mean, that sounds bad but i need to put myself first. so in order to pour into what i do, i need to be able to make sure that i'm okay. i um like had a lot of issues in our department that year. we had four vacancies that just kind of kept rotating so i'm filling in for other people's classes, teaching mm-hmm. other people's kids, mm-hmm. i'm teaching my own kids. Um, going to go fill in cause that sub didn't you know show up, or the person that they hired wasn't actually licensed, didn't have a degree, yep. so They're you gotta there. go teach this class, yep. and we're in North Carolina where we're not gonna pay teachers extra, so you just gotta do it because that's what you have to do. um, and I was just tired. I had my own stuff going on. I lost both my grandparents that year. oh wow, um, so that was hard, so just dealing with all of it, so I decided to leave, found a new job um, you know, made my peace with it. But even when I got into my new job, it was like, okay, I don't want to bring those same habits with mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So how do I navigate this? And I kind of went through this whole process of like healing and working on it. Cause I had a lot of like traumatic stuff that happened to me at that job that I needed to unpack. And it was like, okay, leaving is one thing. It's one thing to leave, but how are you going to navigate this so you can make sure you don't hold on and stay in that type of abusive situation um, moving forward? Because I stayed there for four years, and it was crazy from year one to year four. And I needed to figure out a way to make sure that I wasn't staying somewhere just to prove somebody wrong. So when I moved to Virginia... Um, I live outside of DC in Northern Virginia, and when I moved here, I decided to go through and become a yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I went through, did that process. It was a like four or five month long process, two hundred hours of you know training, doing the whole anatomy portion, doing the the spiritual portion, the meditation portion, studying like breathing techniques and. Even though, you know, I was initially doing it because it was a yoga instructor training for educators, Um, and even though I initially did it, you know, to bring that into my classroom and, you know, help me within, like, trauma-informed pedagogy, things like that, um, it was really helpful for me because I could bring those tools into my own life and working on navigating my own things that I'd been through. Um. I found a good therapist. I suggest every teacher find one.
0: I was just going to ask you that mm-hmm. if you went if you went to therapy.
1: Yeah. So I found a good therapist. It took a while because I wanted to find a black therapist. That was I was going to ask you too. that
0: too. Like what criteria were you looking for? You were looking for someone that was African-American?
1: Yeah. So for okay. me, I was looking for someone who was African-American, preferably female, and um, someone who had a similar scope of spirituality that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, so her faith was important. I didn't want to go to a church based you know, therapist, right. nothing's wrong with that, but that just wasn't what I wanted. Right. Um, but I wanted someone who understood that I am a believer, but I didn't want to go to a church. So like, that was, you know, what I was looking And it took me a while to like find a good fit. Um, and I found someone, she's great. Um, And I feel like it has strengthened my relationships with friends of mine that aren't in education, because I would always say like, you guys don't get it. You don't understand. You're not listening to me. You don't know what it's like. And it's like now I don't attack them because it's it's true. They don't know what it's like. Yeah, they
0: don't know. They don't know.
1: (laughs) And they're probably like, why is she always talking about her job? But it's just important that I found someone that my insurance accepts um, that I can go talk to. That's important. Once a week. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> That's
0: financial care. That's a part
1: of self-care, too. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um, Melanie, when you were going through your issues and your physician, you know, requested that you take a, a month leave or just take a leave period and you only did it for a month, were you all also recommended to see a therapist or did you think about that or did you actually do that at all?
3: Well, funny thing, I was not recommended to see a therapist at that time and I did not go see a therapist at that time. And I think the reason for me is because it was the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. So it was just a little bit of school left and then I had summer vacation. And, And like I said, that was the worst of the worst. I had not had another experience like that since. But it was a it was very traumatic. And unfortunately, I did not see a therapist.
0: So um, I can relate to all of your stories, you know, from LaShawn with the work life balance and uh, Melanie with, the, you know, you ask for very specific help and you're not getting it. And then you start to become physically stressed. You know, that's a real thing. It can, it can affect your physical uh, health. And, and then even with Melody working in a toxic environment, I've had not necessarily a whole culture of toxicity, but I definitely have worked for toxic uh, administrators. I definitely have worked with toxic colleagues. Could any one of you ladies, or all of you ladies speak to the dealing with a, maybe a colleague or administrator that seems to just make work more difficult than it has to be And if no one dealt with that, then I'll, I'll share my own personal story, but, uh, I'm curious.
2: I've definitely in this year come across a couple of people who, it just seemed like anytime I walked up, anytime I would say hello, I get the hello, I get the greeting Mm-hmm. And then it would immediately be followed by oh my goodness, girl, comma. <laughs> and Why? then the story. And you know, I I'm at I'm at a Title I middle school. So socioeconomic status is is really low. Um pretty much a hundred percent of our, our children are on free uh free lunch. So th- there's there's that disparity there. Um there are some challenging behavioral issues there. I'm I'm not going to lie. And, you know, people handle things very differently. And for this particular teacher or or these particular teachers, it just seemed that even with students who may not have given them many challenges, it was always a story. It was always something. And, You know, I just have gotten to a place in my life where I don't hold on to that stuff anymore. I don't hold on to the stories on stories on stories and the complaints and the gossiping, um, especially about especially about things that, you know, I literally cannot control. And what I would do, you know, I'd listen, but there's boundaries that. I have to have in place when I'm having conversation uh, um, so as to not be rude and have the conversation, but still, I have to know what sticks with me and what has to bounce off, you know, what cannot cross that boundary. And it just got to a point that, that when I would have conversation with these teachers, I learned to keep the conversation short, keep the conversations light. You know, and then really end up by offering them a, a good word, a positive word that they could carry, whether they decided to pick it up or not.
0: I'm, I'm curious, and so let me jump in real quick. Um, did any of, do any of you ladies eat in the teachers' lounge?
2: No, no, I do not.:
0: Wow. And, and I LaShawn, you one said time. You, uh-huh, and what happened? Same thing
2: happened. Well, the conversation just became too much. Yep, yep, Yep. because it starts (laughs) off light, right? Uh It starts off like innocent, and Mm -hmm. you know you don't want to have these conversations all the time because it is draining every day. Every day, some somewhere along the line, (laughs) it's inevitable that the conversation goes down the rabbit hole of. The complaints and the the draining Stimbs. of of energy that these teachers are experiencing. Yeah, and I mean, I had to really get my things and go. You know, mm-hmm. luckily for me, I have several places that I can go. I have my gym that if I want to go in there, I can go. I have my office that I can go, and then I have my classroom that I can go. And, you have and your car, you can eat your And car I too. have my car. You you yes, and luckily, I was. I'm only about 15 minutes from my school. So if I really needed to get out of the energy for a while, yeah, you know, I, I could. So yeah. I'm grateful for that space, but I learned very quickly that the teacher's lounge was not a place for me. <laughs>
0: Audience stay away. I wrote about it in the book, becoming an <laughs> effective black educator, avoid the teacher's lounge. I don't care how great your administrative team is. I don't care what their test scores look like year after year. I'm telling you, the teacher's lounge is a, a, a cesspool, is the best way I can describe it. It always starts off innocent. Oh, what are you eating? Oh, I see you eating healthy. You're trying to get fine. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that conversation, <laughs> gets, <laughs> that conversation gets really toxic. And it's usually one comment. And then, oh, mm-hmm. did you see what they what they were wearing today? And da 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 Or, I can't believe they didn't suspend that kid. da 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 then they talk about the parent. Then they talk about Adman. And it just gets so nasty. And I hate gossip. I hate gossip. Don't talk about people behind their back. Or if you talk about people behind their back, be willing to say it in their face. Most mm-hmm. of the time, 99% point nine percent of the time they're not willing to say that in front of that other person's face so don't say it behind their back i hate it teachers again educators please avoid uh teachers lounge at all costs please um get your get your lunch from the refrigerator warm it up if you need to in a little (laughs) microwave and then skedaddle um run to your classroom as fast as you can please so all right so thank you for sharing that um melanie or, or or melody what what do you ladies think about that so my teacher
3: lounge experience is a little different um when I was teaching and I would be in a teacher's lounge uh, it depended on who was there you know in terms of how the conversations with went so you know sometimes they were good sometimes they were bad but as I'm as currently as a literacy coach and a district literacy coach at that you know some teachers think oh here she comes she's from the district and I'm like no no it's nothing like that. So what I observed going into the teachers lounge is now is that they perceive me to be like a snitch, like I'm going to say something to someone mm. about what they're talking about in the lounge. And that's totally not true. I'm there I used to be there to eat, but before as, as a teacher, it was it was it could be quite toxic. It could change my attitude for the day. It could have me thinking about people in different ways that just really weren't true. It's based on something someone else said. And so, you know, I recommend all the teachers who I know who are new that they don't hang out in a teacher's lounge. But as an instructional coach or a literacy coach at the district level, it's a little different because now I'm perceived, oh, here she comes. In fact, I was in a lounge just recently, right before school ended. And so there were a couple of teachers in there and another teacher walked in and said, oh, hi, Ms. Matthews. Ms. Matthews is here. And another teacher said, she's okay. I bet her already.
2: (laughs) Wow. It
0: was just like, oh, okay, really? Well, Melanie, I'm glad that you do work in the environment that you work in, not at the schools, but as far as like a toxic environment or dealing with a toxic um, supervisor or even your colleagues, have you dealt with that at the district level?
3: No, um at the district level, thinking to back to all the districts I've worked in, never had like a toxic environment. But I had environments where people, my supervisors, didn't know what they should have known, but they weren't open to help either. They weren't receptive to suggestions, okay. and that really kind of got the best of me. And it, that's what made it toxic for me is because in my opinion, we're all, all learners. If you're not a lifelong learner in the field of education, then you shouldn't be here because you don't know everything and things constantly mm-hmm. evolve and change. And so I was really, that made it toxic for me because you aren't taking suggestions and it's not to say that I know it all, but this is this district's first year of having instructional coaches and I have been doing it for 10 years. So just listen a little bit and I'm not saying I know everything, But if we could take these steps and these actions, I'm pretty sure that we will see some kind of results. So that's what made it a little toxic for me because it was as if she refused to accept any of my suggestions and did things her way. So that was just like, and then I left that district too.
0: (laughs) I'm telling you, that's actually a self-care tactic. I mean, I know it's not realistic for everyone, but sometimes just leaving the actual school or school district that can be an actual tactic and a, mm-hmm. a highly effective one it's like oh okay i see what's going on over here because if it affects one school what i've learned is that typically it's in multiple buildings within that same district um because you know it's all like a similar mindset if you will and so sometimes it's best to just go <laughs> um and, mm-hmm. and melody you you kind of did that, and um, are, are there any other suggestions you would give for someone that's working either in a toxic environment or under a toxic supervisor or admin, or have um, just negative colleagues or whatnot? Is there another strategy that you would recommend that might be a little bit more realistic than just, um, you know, switching districts? <clears throat>
1: Um, I also suggest, like, if you have to stay in the school and you have to learn how to navigate it, um, because you're going to, you know, come into contact with toxic people. And I feel like as human beings, we all have levels of being problematic at some point in time. Um, so I feel like you're navigating those types of conflicts, um, one thing that I would do is I would just go to my room and close my door and do my job. Like, I would... There were some days where I would, like, yeah, I'd speak to people in the hall, but I'm not engaging with you beyond that. Um, I didn't go to lunch with people. I didn't go to the happy hours. I didn't, you know, kick it with people because I just didn't really feel like they were positive um, influences or positive people to be around. Um... So sometimes you just have to protect your energy and you can't give everybody your time. So I'm very conscious of that. Also, like currently at my school that I'm at now, it's a very different environment. So in terms of things like the teacher's lounge, each department has their own lounge. So the culture of my current school is very much like a family culture, which has its own problems. But Um, it's like, it's expected that, like, hey, you know, you at least, even if you're not eating the lounge, you go warm up your food. Like, everybody's pretty, you know, friendly and amicable. But, like, when people didn't eat in the lounge, it was like, oh, what's wrong with her? Like, why aren't you eating with us today? Um, so that got a little weird because I wasn't used to that because I was like, okay, I just don't talk to people. I stay in my room some days. Like, so... That's been interesting to navigate, but also I work in a very different school environment. So, like, my previous school was um, pretty much majority Black educators. My current school, I am one of the few Black educators in my building. And so, navigating the toxic space, like, where you get these racial microaggressions, right? So, if I don't come to lunch with you today, then I'm an angry Black woman, or I have an attitude. So... It's just, I really just like pick my battles. And I also accept that everything that people, like the energy that people give out, most of the time doesn't have anything to do with us or with me. So um, I try to, you know, think about that ahead of time and just not take everything so personally. Cause at the end of the day, it's, it's business. And I think a lot of times in school environments, we do take things personal that really don't have anything to do with us.
0: Have um, either LaShawn or Melanie, and thank you for sharing that, Melody. Have you ladies dealt with what she spoke of about the the microaggressions where, you know, I don't know the demographic that you work in. And, and Melanie, I know it's different for you because you're at the district level, but have you dealt with that in your past at all? Or Sean, did you deal with that at all in your first year where you kind of noticing from the uh, opposite race or or ethnicity, you started to notice some little microaggressions there?
3: I have. I've definitely noticed that. And it was in the district that I just told you I left. Um, That was another reason. School and I was building-based, a building-based instructional coach at this time. And I was the only African-American person on the staff, the only one. There had been two other ones prior, the prior year, but they had both left and gone somewhere else. So I was the only one on staff. And so right there, I felt uncomfortable because we had several vacancies before the school year began and all of them were filled by Caucasian men or women. And the student population was steadily changing. I think there were maybe about 40% African-American students there. So while the majority were Caucasian, still we need representation. I wasn't the representation because I did not, I was not a teacher. I was an instructional coach and I coach, coach, coach teachers. So I was not a representation for the students in the classrooms who were brown students, but You know, I thought that that was really odd that, you know, that our population, our student population is growing with the African-American population, but you did not hire anyone who's African-American. And I know for sure that there were several candidates that they had um, for those positions. And so, yeah, that was another reason why I left because of the microaggressions, because they thought that, you know, I was really didn't deserve to be there. And what ended up happening is that I was transferred to another school where, surprise, mostly everybody there looked like me. So I, I wasn't hating. I wasn't upset because I did my job there. And I was actually happier to be in that environment than the other one. But absolutely. And, and sometimes those aggressions weren't micro. You know, they were blatant. And it was just really disrespectful. So I, I have received that, yes.
2: I actually have not experienced that. Um, The majority of our staff at my school um, were were people of color. Now, I will say going into this new school year, it's going to be, it, it may be a little different because a lot of our teachers and staff actually moved on to other positions. So... I'm interested to know what that actually will look like going into the 2019-2020 school year Um, because of the high amount of of teachers and staff who did leave. I'm not sure who, you know, they're bringing in. And we won't know until, you know, that week before school when we're all getting prepped and prepared. Um, I, I did see, however... And this was interesting, the microaggressions among the students. So that was something that I found interesting, that if students complained about a certain thing, how that was dealt with. So I'll just give an example. Um, Two girls come to school wearing very similar things. One is African-American. One is white and the black girl would have to call home to get (laughs) clothes changed and would be told, well, it's because you have a body, you have more of a body, you have more of a Mm -hmm. a shape. So you have to call home and get clothes changed. Whereas this other girl, same age, (laughs) very similar clothing, but she's not considered a quote unquote uh, inappropriate threat. So that was interesting to me, but I didn't really see that among te- the teachers and staff.
0: Interesting. Um that's going I'm a, I'm writing down microaggressions. That's going to be a whole separate episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: have to dig into that a little bit more cuz that's a problem and I've seen it myself. Um What is your top self-care tip that you'd share with listeners of the podcast? We'll start with, oh, go
3: ahead. Oh, I would say the top self-care tip is to make sure that, I don't know, there are so many, but to make time for yourself during the school day. However you can make that happen. I know as a coach, it's easier for me to do because I can make my own schedule. And just find some place and just not be bothered. You have to tune things out sometime for you to recenter and for you to calibrate. And so I will say the number one thing is to find time for yourself and do not pour from a cup that's half empty. You can't give your all and your cup isn't filled. So... Just take those into consideration. You have to find time within your work day to make time for yourself exclusively.
0: Oh, let me piggyback on that real quick. Um, educators, black educators, you have PTO time. Please use it. I know that you love your kids. I know you don't want anyone else teaching them. I know no one can teach better than you can teach. But when you're sick, not feeling good, and and I'm not just talking physical. I mean, if you're... Emotional intelligence is down. If your nerves are out of whack and you know how kids are, they're going to say something that's going to irritate you. I don't need you to turn into the Tasmanian devil in front of the, don't do it. Call out. Seriously, you have PTO or whatever your school calls the sick days. Um, You should have some personal days. Your sick days should roll over. So if you've been at the same district or if you transferred hours, use them. Like honestly, use them. Um, Yeah. Okay. uh, I'm done. Next. Thank you. (laughs) That was perfect.
2: Melanie. (laughs) I definitely agree with Melanie and, you know, I'll, I'll add to that. You know, I think everyone should take that time that they utilize for themselves and find one of the goals or dreams that they have for themselves and really pour into the, into that goal and dream during that time, you know, there's nothing like working on and doing something that you, you know, you love, you know, you absolutely love, and you know, that it will benefit you in the long run. Um, You know, it's, it's part of what I actually teach in my, um, with my personal brand, with my mindset coaching is that, you know, we all have these goals that we have but we put them to the wayside because we're giving of ourselves all day every day to our kids, to our staff, and you know, to our community really. And we forget about the fact that we have our own goals that we want to achieve. So for me it's really finding the time not just for yourself, but finding it for yourself and making that productive use of your time so that you can achieve the things you actually want to achieve in your life.
0: And that's a great point, uh, LaShawn. I'm glad you said that. And Melanie and Melody, I want to ask you, um, listening to LaShawn, one thing I'm thinking about is that for a lot of educators, it doesn't matter if they've been doing it for 15 years or this is their first year, um, prep time. Um, to, to plan a lesson and not mm-hmm. only just to plan a lesson, especially if you're at a school. Listen to me, educators. If you're at a school, <laughs> you have to turn in lesson plans. Either, you know, hopefully you just turn them in once a week, but, you know, maybe you get a longer time than that. I've seen at schools, I know educators who have to turn in lesson plans every single day. That mm. is a lot of work. Because not only do you have to put down everything for your lesson plan, your strategy, your plan for students to learn that objective or sub objective, but you have to actually get everything together. And so everyone has their own teaching style. For some people, that's using you know PowerPoint or or Keynote. You know they they like using the technology. For other people, it's you know they still are using um, you know paper and pencils. So they got to make a lot of copies or for other people, you know, maybe they're doing a uh, gallery walk and they've got to laminate and supersize these images or upload these um, these videos that will be available at each workstation. So there's a lot of work in lesson planning, just prepping for an actual effective lesson. What tips do you have? Melody um, or Melanie and LaShawn, you can go in there, too, um, because I'm getting this idea from you where I see a lot of people are having self-care issues because they don't have time to focus on their passion, their dream, um, relax, exercise, eat the right things because they're too busy working on school related stuff outside of work. Mm -hmm. So what tips do you ladies have for, for prepping? How can we be more effective and efficient with our, our prep time?
1: So I would suggest, um, I love planning things out. And I think we get so busy planning out our jobs and our responsibilities at work that we don't plan our self-care. So a lot of times we put self-care on the back burner as something that if we have time, we'll go do this. Or if I have a spare moment on any given Saturday or Sunday, then I will, you know, throw this in. So I suggest to everyone, and this goes back to like what tips I would give educators Um, I just suggest that everybody has a self-care plan. And in that plan, you think about what you're going to do for yourself daily, weekly, and monthly. And write that down in your planner just like you would when you have these deadlines for lesson plans, when you have to make your copies and stick to that plan. Um, I think I read somewhere it takes 21 days to build a habit. So if you stick to your plan and if you are always – scheduling time for yourself because we make time for what we want to make time for and I think that as our profession is predominantly women as women we're socialized like to put everyone before ourselves and we don't schedule that time for ourselves because we're nurturers and we got to make sure we do this and we got to make sure this is good and we got to make sure we pick these up for our students and so just like we would put everyone else first and make sure they're a priority we have to prioritize ourselves as well.
3: Absolutely correct. And what I would say in terms of teachers um, planning lessons, because, you know, it is getting and it depends on where you are is getting more and more um, in depth with what you have to like turning in plans on a daily basis. That's like too much for me. Um, But what I would recommend is teachers. And I know this varies from district to district, state to state, but use your prep time as that. Um, and I know that it could be a little difficult, and especially if you're a teacher and we've just finished talking about carving out a small time for yourself for self-care. Mm-hmm. When you carve out that time, make sure that the rest of your prep time, if, if that's the time you're carving from, is used for um, preparation, is used for planning and all of those things. I received a good knock upside my head with uh, my mentor teacher when I first began teaching I went home every night with a book bag. And when I went home with my book bag, I did things that were in my book bag. I graded yep. papers. I laminated. I cut it out. I, I colored. I did everything. And one, day, my, my, my mentor told me, she said, well, I see you taking the bag home. Do me a favor and leave it at the door. Don't take it. It needs your time as well. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. They do. But I didn't do what she asked me to do. So my daughter was a cheerleader at this time for a, Little League summer youth football. And she was cheering and I was in the stands with what? My book bag and my (laughs) paper and my colorful pens. And I was (laughs) going to town checking papers. And so my daughter after the game said, mommy, you didn't even see me cheer. That Mm. was when I stopped doing work outside Mm -hmm. of the work. So as a teacher, it made me more disciplined and focused to get things done while I was on the clock because yep. when you look at it when you're working at home you're spreading whatever salary you have even thinner than what it already is exactly mm-hmm. you paid to work yep. at home.
2: exactly you're not
3: at, at work and that's why I'm going to get it done and if I don't get it done that day guess what I'm going to have to get it done the next day because yep. the bottom line is that there is always something to do so you'll probably never finish you nope. mm-hmm. will never finish so you get done what you can get done done prioritize and get those most important things done first and you worry about everything else as it comes that's the way i had to be able to utilize the time that i had to to plan Mm -hmm. and back then we we had we turned in lesson plans paper and pencil (laughs) i was so happy you know they were pretty and colorful with the different inks and all of those types of things but the, the demand was not that we had to um, turn in plans every day. I think that's a little excessive. And I think whoever that administrator is <laughs> needs to be checked <laughs> because that's a bit much. You're asking a whole bunch from teachers who are already giving it their all. And then you want them to come up and turn in lesson plans. But the bottom line is to utilize the time that you have at work and don't take it
0: home. All right, I'm gonna piggyback really quick here, Melanie, because this is a great discussion. Um, here's what I here's what I've learned over the past five years teaching middle school, three years at high school. Get a LMS system, or you probably your district probably already has an LMS system. For me, I went against my district; they were using Thrivis. I think Thrivis is terrible just my personal opinion. So I like to use Google Classroom. So instead of me taking papers and book bags home and doing all of that, uh-uh, Google Classroom, and I grade it as it's turned in. I grade it when my students are doing independent work. That definitely will help save you some time um, in, in aggregating that data. Um, also let your students do some grading. So if you don't have an LMS system, then you should be comfortable with your students. Once procedures have been established and enforced and expectations are consistently being met and you can trust a majority of your students, let them actually grade under your guidance. And of course, back, you know, you want to double check their work, especially start down, um, the first few times that they do that. So that's a tip. Um, my other tip, not everything, not everything deserves to be graded. I know in some classes, um, LaShawn, you're teaching high school. Melody, you're teaching high school. Those kids want to know, Is this? does this count? Is this going in my grade? Will this affect my grade? Will this be a part of my report card? I lie because I teach middle school. Yes. I have no intention on making everything count as a grade. I would never sleep. If I had to grade everything that I give my students, my students write a lot and they read a lot and they annotate a lot and they cite a lot of textual evidence. I'm not great in all of that. I'll go crazy trying to grade all of that. But instead, I tell them I'm grading everything. And I'm not telling you to lot of your, your students, but I do. Um, but you got to figure out a, a system of what matters most for me the things that matter most are going to be like essays. You know, I'm not I'm not going to spend much time grading every little bit of grammar that you're doing, but when you're writing an essay, overall, yes, that's going to count as a grade. Projects, that's going to count as a big grade. The small, the bell work, the do now work, uh-uh, I'm not grading that. Why? I mean, I'll look over it. I'll give you feedback. That's what a good, effective uh, educator should do. But I'm not actually putting that in the grade book. But to each his own, you got to figure it out for yourself. Um, (laughs) And the last thing we said, stay away from the teacher's lounge. So me staying away from the teacher's lounge actually made me more productive. um, And I was protecting my energy as well. Uh, And so usually I have what I call a working lunch. So I'm eating. It doesn't take me a long time to eat. Even if it did, I don't have but 23, 25 minutes um, anyways for lunch. So uh, I can't spend that much time. And so I'd rather use that time to actually eat while I'm making copies or eat while I'm grading or eat while I'm uh, preparing for my next two classes. So that's just a suggestion is a, a working lunch. Um who, uh, LaShawn, you gave us good feedback. Melanie gave us good feedback. Melody, what, what's your, your number one self-care tip?
1: Um, my number one self-care tip is for teachers. Hmm. I have a few. Um, I would say, like I said before, have a plan for, um, your self-care. I think like I said, people kind of look at self-care as like doing something special for themselves every once in a while when really it's about maintenance and about maintaining balance. And I think people look at balance as something like, you know, I get to be balanced and I'm good. Like once I'm balanced, I've achieved it. I'm good. I don't have to continue working on this. So I think if educators, I think a lot of educators are perfectionists, and kind of letting go of that perfectionism. And I know I struggle with perfectionism. So realizing, you know, that every day is not going to be perfect. Everything's not going to go according to plan. But guess what? There's always tomorrow. And if it doesn't work tomorrow, there's next week, next month, next year. So just being forgiving with yourself. um, Because I feel like there are enough forces out here beating teachers up. So we don't have to self-inflict that.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give my my best piece of advice, and I'm going to steal from Melody. Stop being a perfectionist. And really, I'm talking to myself when I say this. Um, I'm repeating what I used to tell myself, and I still struggle with it. Um, I want everything to be perfect. I want everything to be organized. Uh, Got a little bit of OCD at times, and um, I just got high expectations uh, for my students. And if I got high expectations for all of my students, of course, I've got High expectations um, and demands for myself, and I do feel like as uh, African American educators, Black and Brown educators across this 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 globe, I feel like we put a lot of work on ourselves um, especially if we do work in a title one environment. Um, and even if we don't, if you work in an affluent, uh, school or school district, you feel like, Oh, well, I'm the one of one. I was, I was chosen. And so I've got to prove them, you know, right. Or in some cases, you know, prove them wrong, uh, depending on what they're saying about you when you're not around. So I'd like to say to all educators out there is to drop the perfectionism. Sometimes you just do your best and, and, and like, um, Uh, Melanie said, you know, there's always going to be more work to do. So if she doesn't get it done right then and there that day, guess what? I'll do it tomorrow. And there'll be more for me to do. And I'll do that tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But you have to protect and guard your time. Um, just like the Sean said, that work life balance is very, very important. You have to protect your time. Go to basketball games, go to sporting events. And I don't mean sporting events that are tied to your school. I mean, no, go to like another game, another team, another school, um, a professional sport, if, if it's uh, accessible in your city. Relax, watch some Netflix, eat some popcorn, exercise, work out, drink a smoothie, um, you know, have a relationship with God, go to church, pray, read a Bible, walk, jog, do something relaxing, do something that's good for your heart, do something that's good for your mind, something that's good for your spirit, um, you can have a cheat snack, you don't need a whole cheat day, but you can have a cheat snack, cheat meal, that's okay, um, and read, mm-hmm. you know, we're lifelong learners, continue to read. There's nothing more fulfilling for me as an educator and just a human period reading and, and growing and and acquiring more knowledge like it feels good. That's why we all became educators. The smarter I get or the wiser I get, the more powerful I feel. And I'm pretty sure most educators feel the same way.
2: Yeah. Amen. That's
1: all I got. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff.
0: <laughs> All right. I guess we're done. Any uh, last words for the black scholars, uh, black scholars out there?
2: Keep up the amazing fight, man. you know, it's it's hard. You know, it's a challenge, but it's doable, you know, and and really, I I don't like to use but often. So I use and because I want to keep everything connected. You know, it's a challenge and we can do it. It's possible. Um, you know, batch that stuff that needs to be done. You know that that's all connected. Batch do batch work. Mind your time. You know, make time for the things that you want to make time for. Absolutely, one hundred
3: percent. And you know, make the time that for those things you want to make time for. And just remember that that it's not selfish to think of you as first. It's not selfish. So Mm -hmm. put yourself first and be priority and do those things you want to do sometimes too. Be first, be priority and it's not
1: selfish. And I would just say, you know, be sure to let your light shine. Don't diminish yourself. Um, Always know that like you're capable and you set the tone. So,
0: can I say Mamba out.
2: Thank you for listening to the Black Scholars Podcast. For more information, Sometimes. go to blackscholarspublishing.com. You just gotta go. You will never know you can ever be. If
0: you never try. you will never see. State in Africa, we ain't never leave. So one no slave in our history, one hey. no slave. Call me crazy Or isn't he
3: See